Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. This is a modern podcast for the modern entrepreneur. I have with me a special guest today, Ahava Liebtag, and she is going to talk a little about her entrepreneurial journey and also get into the expertise of content marketing. Oh, it is going to be really great today. So welcome, Ahava. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really honored to be here. Well, you are absolutely uh, an expert in the field of content marketing and really, um, you know, known for uh, quality content, putting that emphasis on, please, can we just pay attention to what we're writing, people? That's my that's my breakdown of what I think you would say. Right? Um, yeah. And so that's what we want to hear about a little bit today. But I want everybody to round out a little bit about who you are. So Ahava uh, Liebtag is the content strategist. She's the president at AHA Media Group out of uh, Washington, D.C. And so she is what we call in the thick of it, right? And so tell us uh, some kind of a fun fact, something I couldn't possibly have in common with you. I know all the words to Aliens by heart. To the actual movie? To the actual movie. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So how often do you make people sit down and watch that with you? Never. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like like my my own thing. Oh, it's just like it's your nice evening to by yourself, kind of one of those guilty pleasures. You know, I watched it as a kid. My mom took me with my sister when I was, I think, 11, which probably wasn't the best parenting decision. (laughs) And it sort of became our movie. It just has so many great one-liners in it. And so, I mean, I just think that it became like a family joke and Mm -hmm. a family thing. And I watched it, you know, many, many times. So, you know, it's just some nerdy fact about me that definitely people wouldn't guess. I love it. I love it. So what's one of your favorite lines from that from that movie? Um, let's see, um, stop your grinning and drop your linen. That's definitely <laughs> a good one. Um, the most famous line from that movie is get away from her, you bitch. Oh, so right. uh, that's, that, right. that's a great line. And then, um, Vasquez is this Marine who looks, you know, she's got a lot of muscles. So mm-hmm. Hudson says to her, um, have you ever been mistaken for a man? And she says to him, no, have you? So... <laughs> Oh, that is golden. I don't remember yeah. that one. But I do love that movie, though, I have to say. Well, yeah. I kind of do this as like a little Venn diagram. So that's the thing I definitely don't have in common with you. Although, if you had said you know all the lyrics to like, you know, um, to all the Madonna songs or to 80s, you know, 80s lyrics, I could have been there with you. This is why day to day, I cannot remember crap because there are so many 80s lyrics in, in my mind in the vault. <laughs> I gotcha. There's I gotcha. no room. There's no room. I should have gone with your approach. Go for the movie. But in the middle, we're both obviously prolific bloggers, uh, we're keynote speakers, we're out and about in the industry, and also sitting and talking with clients. So I'm going to get into that a little bit. Here's my little fun fact for today that I don't think that you have in common with me, but I'm going to go with a movie one since you went with a movie. And um, when I was a kid, um, I loved, loved, loved the movie Ghostbusters. I mean, the original people, come on. And uh, I actually built for myself a Halloween costume where I used duct tape. I thought I was being really, you know, really creative. Well, I was being really creative. Come on out. Um, a shoebox, some of the vacuum hosing, and a lot of duct tape. And I made my, you know, the ghost trapper, you know, the backpack. And I just remember thinking, man, I've arrived. This is so yes. cool. <laughs> it's also another favorite. The State Puff Marshmallow Man. Oh, yeah. What, that's what you were thinking, man? 
I love it. I love it. Okay, so in our real lives, day to day, we're not, you know, sitting. I'm sure you and I don't have a whole lot of time for movies. So, but we're out speaking a lot. So start with this um, a little bit, um, and then we can back up into a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, you know, to founding AHA Media Group. But tell me what you're actually hearing right now. You're out speaking. What are people asking you to speak about? What's 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 trending right now in in our actual marketing industry? So I think there's two things that I'm seeing a lot. I think people are still struggling with mobile and content and how to get that right. And then I think the other thing that people are spending a lot of time talking about is value and what's value in marketing and how much marketing should we be creating and what's marketing in general and how do sales and marketing interact with each other. So I think we're actually sort of going over the same ground that we've been over a lot. We just have a lot more tools and a lot more reach than we ever have before. Do you think that people maybe are even getting maybe a little more inundated with uh, analytics and so are getting a little more confused? Or do you think that's not the case? You know, it's interesting. I don't know that people are really using analytics very well. Mm -hmm. I think that they're sort of, that's quantitative data. So Mm -hmm. that tells you, you know, the what. It doesn't tell you the why. And so in order to really get at that information, you need to actually talk to your audiences and find out why they're making the decisions that they're making. And if I had to diagnose the number one problem that I see in the companies that we consult with, Getting to know the audience is always the challenge. Uh, Building personas, making sure they're based on real research and not assumptions, having them looked at by the people on the front lines to tell us that these are indeed the customers and what their concerns are. So from that perspective, I think that, you know, companies are very challenged around how to get that part of it right. Mm -hmm. So what would you say then, with people who have developed personas and then they've come to you and their marketing doesn't seem to be working right, are you able to convince them to go back and redo their persona development? It, has that been a conversation that's worked for you? Well, most of the time they come to us, they don't have personas. Okay. So yes, we definitely have worked with them on creating them. I have also consulted on projects where I have looked at the personas and I've either said, these are not fleshed out enough Mm -hmm. in terms of figuring out their content journey or these personas are really built for a user journey and not necessarily for thinking about how to write content for them. So designers build very different kinds of personas than content strategists. And really the two should be the exact same, but that's why you have to get everybody in the room to figure out what we need to know about the persona from a content perspective and what we need to know about the persona from a design perspective. Wow. You know what? I, I, I am, I'm just going to lay it out there. I have never heard that before. I don't think that's crossed my mind. And I, that's to me, that's saying a lot because I work so much in personas and persona development. But I, you know, you're right. It has to be really super fleshed out. But now, in retrospect, I'm kind of thinking about a couple of personas I've seen in front of me, and now I could put my finger on what was wrong. It was really more created for the design and less for the content strategy. And that's where we kind of go, wait, what was something's missing here? Um, that that's really interesting. Okay, so when you're when you're um, looking at it from a content strategist perspective, what are some of the key points in that persona development that you feel absolutely must be there? Well, the first thing we need to know is why they're interacting with you to begin with or how you intend to start the first touch point. Mm -hmm. 
So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing that we need, and this is where, you know, that whole idea of begin with the end in mind, mm -hmm. we need to know what exactly you want them to do. Mm -hmm. And so then you sort of have to start from the starting point and end at the ending point and figure out how you're going to get them from that starting point to the ending point. And knowing as much as you can about them and what their concerns are is very helpful. Mm -hmm. When we do content journeys at AHA Media Group, they're very simple. They're really four steps because it's very complicated when you're trying to write the content that we're trying to write, which is educational and informative to sort of go through more content steps than that for the writer. So the, we start with the beginning. What's what what's bothering this person? Mm -hmm. What are they coming to this information for? How are you going to get grab their attention? And then we start with a set of primary questions. Okay, what what are they asking? And then if we get those questions answered with our content, chances are they're going to move to their secondary questions and continue to engage with the content. And then they're going to do the final thing, the call to action that you want them to do. Mm -hmm. Now, what is important to understand about that journey is that it doesn't all happen in that linear fashion, right? right. Like marketer, <laughs> marketers want the funnel to like work perfectly. You know, oh, like I they wish. come in and right, they <laughs> drop down and it's beautiful. Right. And, and that's not what happened. You know, people are zigging and zagging throughout their thought process. And so from that perspective, the person might encounter your content and not go in with their primary questions. They may actually use it to build a set of primary questions. And then they may look at other content that doesn't even belong to you necessarily. And then they may go in to your content again with their secondary questions. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be building that user experience so that people aren't getting their questions answered. They should be getting them answered as much as possible. Right. I love it. So I, I do agree. I think that, you know, we pretend that it's absolutely so linear how people interact with our content. But what's funny is that then we go home and as a consumer, we behave totally differently. We don't operate in the logic funnel and go from step one to two to three to four. But then we come back into work and I hear a lot of people in our industry you know, acting another way as a strategist, very different from the way they were just acting as a consumer a few minutes ago. So <laughs> that's true. That is a good point. I don't I, I don't have a lot to say about that. You know, people my husband's an economist and the first rule of economics is people are rational. And when he told me that I was like, this is a bogus science. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Oh so my he, gosh. People, so awesome. he said to me, Well well what that really means is that people always act in their self interest and, and that I buy. Right. So, okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. So before we talk about like what you're talking to with the clients, tell me a little bit about your particular journey, um, a little bit outside of, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about your expertise here and uh, what you could offer to, you know, my listeners. But what was your journey? Why must you start AHA Media in that moment? What, what were you thinking? Why must I do this? And and what what is what is your story? Well, I wanted to work from home. Okay. <laughs> See, now wait a minute. People are rational. <laughs> I had a I had a federal government job and I had a baby and then I had another baby and during the maternity leave of my second child, a friend of mine called me up and said, "I just had a freelance web writer walk out on a job. Can you please come save me?" Mm -hmm. And I said, "Well, how much are you paying an hour?" And after she told me, I was like, "When do you want me there?" <laughs> so, I went in for that first meeting. It was for a foundation that was part of a hospital. And I remember sitting at that meeting and thinking, oh, my gosh, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, wow. I really love this. 
And then I just, you know, I built a business through a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of cold <laughs> calling, a lot of pavement pounding, a lot of knocking on doors, um, you know, and then I started to land some really nice big clients. And then from there, I started to speak. I wrote a book. And now, you know, we have 30 people. Wow. So amazing definitely definitely a journey uh i actually it's funny i'm sitting on the couch in my living room right now and i just had a woman here who asked me if you could talk to your 10 year like if you could talk to the 30 year old who started this company what would you tell her mm -hmm. would you do it again and i said to her you know that's such a dangerous question because mm -hmm. if i hadn't done this something else would have happened and who knows what that would have been but at the end of the day i think what i would have told my 30 year old self is be prepared for a lot of unknowns and be prepared for the kind of work that you cannot even imagine you're going to have to do. Mm -hmm. So for anybody listening out there, I, I think entrepreneurs tend to try to make it look easy. And I'm here to tell you it's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, not I, easy. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I talk on this podcast a lot about what I call the stunning discomfort of entrepreneurship. <laughs> That's correct. And, you know, I, I do think that, you know, we do have a society right now that looks so much at like overnight success or you get on a show and your your talent is discovered or whatever, this kind of stuff of really immediate success. And it's so funny, even when someone has worked as long as you have in it, if you go out tomorrow and, you know, and get called, you know, uh, to be on some major network show, someone be like, oh, yeah, she was an overnight success you know, barring those couple of decades of work, you know, but, you know, they still need in some way, some way to couch it like as if it just happened overnight. But it is just doing, doing so much work, so much due diligence with the clients that you have at the beginning. And in my opinion, a lot of people say that that's because that's how you get good word of mouth. And in my opinion, that may be well and good, but that's how you get good is by right. doing that hard work. <laughs> so I know, I mean, I don't think anything can replace it. I, I think that what the hard work leads to is experience and learnings that you can communicate to others mm -hmm. as well as your clients. And I think that that's, that's part of what it is. And I also think the truth of the matter is, is what separates the boys from the men is the passion for what we do. Mm. And, you know, all the great speakers out there and all the people that are thinking about these issues, they really care about it. They, they're curious, you know, they want to know what makes people make the decisions that they make and how can we get them to make those decisions on behalf of our clients. So right. From that perspective, I think that the hard work and the passion are sort of linked together. Right, right. Well, let's talk a little bit about those meetings. So you're in with clients. What are the things you are hearing? You're saying they want to know how do people tick, you know? Um, let's, let's, if we're assuming that people are rational, then we might, you know, be able to make a system and build it around them. So what are your clients actually saying to you? What are they curious about? The, well, I think, they're curious about how people encounter their content and what they do with it once they have it. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting more and more sophisticated about how to really use it well. I think that they're sort of really focused in on messaging and voice and tone and how to weave that throughout content without being repetitive or, mm -hmm. you know, too marketing speak. Uh, I think that they're talking a lot about trying to, represent their brand as a personality in the marketplace and what does that personality sound like and does that personality shift depending on who it is that you're talking to. Mm. So I think people are starting to really refine their approach. You know, we're not just going to put content up there to put it up there, but we want to publish 
a real reflection of who we are and, and how do we do that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I hear people talking about a lot. Hmm. Is there anything, and this might be a, a hard question, I don't want to put you on the spot, but there is there something that people aren't asking that you wish you got to talk about a lot more, like that you feel like you're the one who has to bring up a subject or? That's a really good That's a really good question. No, but what I often find I do is that clients will come to me with an idea in their head about, you know, why they want to do what they want to do. And Mm -hmm. and this is how we're going to do it. And I'll very often say to them, you know, walk me through what you think you're going to get at the end of this. Hmm. And when we do that, I'll say to them, well, you know, I got to tell you my experience, that's not going to happen at the end. And so then we have a good conversation about if that's the goal they're looking for, maybe that the the way that they wanted to get there isn't necessarily the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that happens. I also have people calling me up asking me to do things that I'm not good at. So I'll just <laughs> tell them. <laughs> I don't really know how to do that. I remember in my early career, um, the first time I spoke at Confab, so it must have been 2011, I guess, um, I had a guy call me up and he said to me, I'm looking for a hip hop content strategist. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> but I ended up, you know what? I ended up working with him and we, we got his traffic up 26%. So, but I, I just think it's funny that sometimes people call up and they're like, you know, we want you to do this. And, I, you know, I'm not going to do that because I don't know how and I'm not good at it. <laughs> one of my favorites is when they call in and they ask, yeah, can you make us one of those uh, viral videos? Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I actually just I actually just listened to it was really interesting a uh podcast with Anne Handley and Ian Altman and mm-hmm. Anne was saying how she doesn't necessarily know that going viral is good for you. Right. So <laughs> it, that's an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I think that we mistake attention for value. Mm. And that's a big mistake that we make in this society because we associate attention with making money or getting some sort of uh, something out of it. But in today's world, I don't really think that that's necessarily true. Mm -hmm. So just because somebody's looking at something or engaging with it doesn't mean that they're doing what you want them to do with it. And I think that that's really the thing marketers should be focused on is how do we convert to use, you know, the jargon of the day? Mm-hmm. How do we convert these this traffic into customers? Well, I do think you you put it in a really lovely way. If I think about really a lot of my failures early on, I think is that we brought attention, you know, to content before we had the full system in place, which was basically helping people get to the next step. It's like, yeah, you can bring them there, but you hadn't, you know, at that point, we hadn't really fleshed out, well, once we got them there, what were we going to do with them? And I think think about that in early years. Uh, yeah, I think maybe that's true. I think some of us did think about it, but we weren't necessarily supported in the way that we needed to be in order to 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 finish. In right. other words, even even as sometimes I even encounter this now, although it's shocking to me, is that sometimes people in the marketing department are still embedded in IT. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like what you know, because they're web people, and you know, so I think that. Part of what has made our jobs difficult and what's starting to get easier but is still difficult is the Mm -hmm. silos that you encounter 
in companies. And one of the reasons all the Silicon Valley companies are doing so well is that they're newer and they didn't believe in that by department mentality. Mm -hmm. So I think what you're saying is, yeah, we didn't know how to, we produced it and then we didn't know how to, you know, we didn't know what we wanted people to do when they got to it. But I think we did know, we just weren't necessarily supported in doing that. Mm -hmm. So, so that's how I see that sort of part of it. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I love your blogs. Um, and I, like I said, I, I, even though you work in a lot of different industries than I work in, y- at the bottom, there's just foundational things that just have to be right. And the first thing that I hear from you all the time is quality, quality, quality content. So um, and so let's talk a little bit about two things I've heard you talk about recently. Let's start, w- start with that, that you um, you believe that an emphasis on quality evergreen content um, needs to be completely, you know, put around helping customers make better decisions faster. And, you know, I hate to quote you, but I just quoted you from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know, this is what I've read of you. So well, I don't remember writing that. I know. Today. And, you know, um, whenever people quote me back to me, I'm all, oh, sounds good. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, you, I hear that theme from you a lot. And so put a little bit of flesh on that for us. Like, what do you mean, you know, uh, first of all, I, I think everybody knows what evergreen content is, but how do you basically connect that really good stuff that you have and connect it to things that are um, are helping 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 people make this this decision that you want them to make but also that is good for them what's going through your mind right so the way that I always describe it to people who don't really understand what content strategists do is I say to them a content strategist first draws up a blueprint and then they start building a house and the house is made up of the evergreen content so the walls and the pipes, those things have to be there in order for the house to function. You can live in an undecorated house, but you can't live in a house that, you know, doesn't have plumbing or doesn't have heat or, Mm -hmm. you know, doesn't have electricity in today's day and age. Anyway, a hundred years ago you could. (laughs) And so, so to me, the evergreen content is, do you have content that's easily accessible that answers the primary questions that your audiences come to find out? Mm-hmm. So if you're a restaurant and your phone number or your open table reservation isn't right there, you know, in front of people, you're doing the wrong thing. If you're a hospital and you don't have, you know, maps and directions and visiting hours and things like that, you're not giving people what they want. So that's, those are the walls and the pipes, those questions that people need answered. So now you get in, that's the quality content, right? And all the content should be quality, but then you get into the decorative stuff. So the videos and the, you know, infographics and the podcasts perhaps that are sort of the content that we rely on to narrate the story that we're trying to tell or illustrate the story that we're trying to tell. Um, but that is really grows out of the foundation of the evergreen content. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. I talk about with my friends all the time. When you go shopping for clothing and you find a really great foundational garment, like a fabulous pair of black slacks or, you know, the little black dress or, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that, you buy it and you're probably going to spend more money on that because you know that that's going to last you, you know, quite a number of years and it's not going to go out of style. But you know, the tassel earrings that are in right now, you're pr- you don't spend more than 20 bucks on those because trust me, in four months from now, you, you know, you don't want to be caught dead wearing them. So 
I think that that's what I mean when I talk about evergreen quality content. If you don't have a great foundation, you know, the roots to hold up the trunk of what you're trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. the leaves are just going to blow away. Wow, I really brought that wow, metaphor to that life. Was good. I so- <laughs> felt like I felt so like invigorated and, and back to nature. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, so that's what I think. So, what I often find companies doing is they they chase you know the bright shiny object. So, oh, everybody's doing a video. Let's do a video. Or everybody has a podcast. Let's do a podcast. Or everybody has an infographic. Let's do an infographic. Right. When's the last time you looked at an infographic? <laughs> it's been a while for me. <laughs> yeah. So, it, you know, it's just ridiculous. But when's the last time you read something on a website to answer a question that you had? Yeah, absolutely. Every day. So that that's that's why that's the the drum that I beat on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, let's move that. You talked about creating a blueprint. So Let's talk about that. You mentioned also that documentation of strategy is really where you think, um, you know, that where the marketing um, industry needs to focus uh, this year. So when you when you talk about documentation of strategy, how does that relate to actually the business objectives? Well, that is what a content strategy is. So it's supposed to do two things. It's supposed to, you know, help your users in accomplishing their tasks, and it's supposed to align your content with your business objectives. What I mean by a documented blueprint is, you know, answering the five most important questions that you have to answer when you're building an editorial brand content strategy. So Mm -hmm. I divide content strategy into three different disciplines. The first is editorial brand. The second is workflow. And then the third is what I like to call content engineering. So all the back end of making sure that your content, you know, is in the right place at the right time for the right person. Right. Okay. So the first part of the editorial brand messaging is these five questions of, you know, who are you talking to? Um, What are you trying to say to them? Who are they? You know, um, Mm -hmm. who are you as a brand? How do you want to sound, you know, voice and tone? And then finally, when and where do you say it, which really is most of the time an editorial calendar. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of companies that, you know, you say to them, you know, what is your messaging? We're the best. That's exciting. Uh, Wow, nobody's thought of that before. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, Okay, well, can you prove that to me? Mm -hmm. Um, What do you mean? Everybody knows it. Mm, Yeah, everybody in these four walls knows it. Nobody else outside of the four walls knows it. So, So that's kind of where I see... I see people really working hard to fix that, to fill that hole, because I definitely see that more and more companies are documenting what they're doing. Now, here's what's really funny about that. They've documented it, and yet they're not following it. Mm. So that's the next – That's and that's actually, I think, a human problem, right? right. I don't think that's <laughs> just about content. So, you know, I'm going to follow this diet today, and I'm not going to eat that piece of chocolate cake. And, and that's what happens for a lot of marketers. You know, we're not going to do a search engine campaign on heart attack because that's ridiculous. And then some cardiologist freaks out about it and, you know, wants that to happen. Or, you know, we're, we're a huge box store, and, you know, we know that getting ads on Facebook does not drive anything for us. And yet here we are buying those ads because we need to prove that, you know, we're doing something in our advertising. (laughs) So that's, that's where I kind of see, you know, deviating from the strategy in a way that's just not helpful. Like if you spent all that time and all that money to create that strategy, then follow it. Now, if it's completely, you know, wrong and your profits are plummeting and, you know, you're not getting what you thought you were going to go where you wanted to go, then yeah, I would say, you know, revisit the strategy and and deviate from it. But 
a lot of times I just find people are just bouncing around like pogo sticks mm-hmm. instead of, you know, and, and it's nobody's fault. You know, it's, it's really, I mean, I think people like here you're in marketing and now I go, that's a joke, but it's actually, <laughs> it's a really, it's a challenging profession because you sit sort of at this weird intersection between product service and you know proving that you're actually doing something to move the bottom line Mm -hmm. and it's it's a challenging place to be it also a lot of marketers want to be creative and they're held back by certain whether it's regulatory issues or the company doesn't want to be that outspoken or you know they don't have the freedom or the budget to do the things that they want to do Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that, that that is very challenging. So I, I feel for people. But I think that if you are a strategist and you come up with a strategy and you document it, you should try to follow it as much you as possible. follow it. But I love that you point out that that's not always the case. And I think that's, you know, that's why I really love having this podcast is because, you know, even Michael Brenner, when he was on, he was talking about how much money is wasted on content that never gets used properly. And I hear what you're saying is like, let's just all think for a minute how much money is wasted when we document a strategy and then we don't go and follow it. These That's are, correct. These are things that are incredibly wasteful and don't help anybody in their bottom line. People may not like marketing or have mixed feelings about marketing and marketers, but nobody seems to have a lot of mixed feelings about making a lot of money. So, so. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you on that one. I haven't met somebody yet. But, um, you know, I yeah. really, I just really can't take that. <laughs> no. Well, um, we made too much money this month. What are we going to do? Exactly, exactly. Well, hey, you travel quite a bit. Why don't you tell my listeners where they can find you? Um, just give a, a nice um, uh, uh, highlight of, you know, where you're at on LinkedIn and uh, what, what's your preference? Some people are Twitter people, some people are LinkedIn, but how you like to be contacted. Obviously, you can go out and actually visit your website, which is ahamedia.com. Um, it's actually Aha Media Group. Oh, Aha, that's right. That's right. AhaMediaGroup.com. It's awesome website. So much stuff there. You, everybody would really enjoy um, her blog. So check that out. But how do you like to be contacted? Uh, yeah, that, but through the website is fine. There's an info at AhaMediaGroup.com that my group forwards to me. So it, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a great way to get in touch. And I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I, I don't go to Google Plus anymore, but I don't think anybody does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a whole nother podcast we could have. Oh, my gosh. So you're speaking a lot um, at events coming up. I know um, – uh, you know, coming up the most uh, um, quickly is content design for mobile devices is what you're going to be speaking on. Um, can you give me a little bit of an idea about where you think, uh, you, uh, uh, what places you'll be and what is you think is of interest to my listeners? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to be at a couple of different conferences this year. I don't even know all of them, but I am speaking at Now What about mobile design. I'm going to speak at Content Marketing World. I'm going to speak at Confab Intensive and Confab Central. So those are definitely places that people can find me. I'm actually trying to speak a little less and listen a little more. Mm. When when you're a speaker, you you know you spend a lot of time preparing and you know you do research and you you know, you try to figure out what's going on and you get excited by an idea and then you try to figure out, okay, well, how am I, you know, how am I going to present this idea to the audience in a way that provides value to them? And I don't know, I just feel like I want to just sit in a lot of other people's sessions and sort of listening, listen to what their case studies are and what they're grappling with and, you know, find the next thing that I sort of want to talk about. Uh, Last year, I spent a lot of time talking about how we have to change the culture 
in our organizations around thinking about content. And that was a really fun talk. And I really loved giving it. I gave it quite a number of times. And, you know, I thought it, I thought it really added value. In fact, one of my evaluation forms, <laughs> the person wrote, you know, it, it just shows how effective the talk was that I'm really thinking about how to give critique here in a way that's valuable and constructive. <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, so, so that's, that's a talk that you could check out on YouTube if you're interested, but, um, just do a Hava Leap Tag, uh, Confab Central, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that's that's one way to find me is at a couple of those conferences. Now, content and, marketing world for my audience is like probably the most likely candidate there. Um, you know, so it, now have you spoken several times at Content Marketing World? I've spoken every single year. Every single year, really? That yeah. is really cool. I mean that yeah. that group um, that group of speakers is absolutely fantastic. I think that is the most likely connect through the people who you know follow me and follow um, you know this this podcast. So we'll we'll look forward to hearing you there. Then Let, let's see since you're going to be doing so much listening. Let's see how how <laughs> awesome th- this is. So let's do something fun at the end. You are a big um, um, fan of podcasts, so tell us a couple of podcasts that you love to listen to, um, and maybe you know it shares a little bit of juju. Maybe it's something that one of my listeners or that I'd like to discover that I haven't discovered yet. Sure. So I recently became friends with Ian Altman, who does the Grow My Revenue podcast. Yeah, and yeah. he has on he has on all of our friends. So <laughs> I just listen because it's like fun. He like hangs out with all the people we're friends with. Right. And then um, this is an interesting one, but I think is really valuable for people. It's called Dear Sugar. And it's um, Steve Almond and Cheryl Strayed. And they... Once a week, basically, they cover a topic and they usually read one or two letters from their readers that has to do with that topic. And then they call an expert, whether it be a psychologist or somebody else who talks about those issues, and they sort of get their take on the letters. So they cover it's, – it's about love, really, but it's about relationships and how to deal with different types of people and how to find your own truth. And I, I find that I, you know, I really enjoy listening to that. I think that that's – been very helpful for me in terms of thinking about the empathy side of marketing that I think a lot of times we don't get a chance to really give it its full due. Mm -hmm. And then the other uh, podcast that I love is Freakonomics. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's sort of, um, you know, that Malcolm Gladwell type of reporting where you sort of think of a story or a basic idea that you're trying to illustrate and then you find all these stories that narrate it in a way that you don't really connect until it all comes together at the end. So that's also a podcast that I I really enjoy listening to. Well, you must love that because, I mean, anything in the Malcolm Gladwell, you know, uh, silo is going to be focused on excellent, excellent writing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, who's the the guy who wrote Moneyball? Michael, I can't remember his name right now, but yeah, those kind of writers. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are just extraordinary you know you just mm-hmm. to be able to tell a story and weave a story together in that way and and then I think the also the other part of that is that it's it's very important to be able to sort of think about how to put a story together when you are a content creator and so I feel like that's one of the things that I've really learned from listening to podcasts like Freakonomics is or reading you know New Yorker articles or that kind of thing um, mm-hmm. you know has really made a difference for me in terms of my own writing right well you said your husband Michael Lewis economist. oh Michael, Michael Lewis, Lewis. There, there we go <laughs> it was gonna bother me for a while um, yeah uh, you mentioned that your husband's an economist and I have to say in terms of reading that actual magazine the Economist is 
in my opinion, number one. So start there and then, you know, go down from there. So awesome. Well, uh, Ahava, this has been awesome. I know that my listeners have really appreciated your candor and, uh, and just really when someone knows their stuff, breaking this down into just the simplicity of what needs to be done and just the encouragement to say, look, there's a strategy there. There's a reason we worked so hard to create the strategy. Let's actually follow it. That's a good well, idea. I, I appreciate I appreciate your confidence in me, but I just want to say to your audience, you know your stuff too. You know? <laughs> Thanks. I, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a um a, a, a concern that you know we all of us are like oh we're these experts, but you know what we're just talking about the things that we see and hear, and the people listening to your podcast are doing the same thing, and so I think that that's important for everybody to remember that you know. If you you can listen to as many experts as experts as you want, but if your gut tells you that this is the right decision for your company or your marketing, go with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. See, I knew we'd love each other forever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get featured in another blog with you, though. I got to tell you that. So we'll, let's <laughs> let's try and make a couple more things happen. I can't wait to see you at uh, at Content Marketing World. Always a, a great time there. So. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank Please you, go check out her ahavamediagroup.com and just send her a note on LinkedIn or something there, you know, just to bother her since she's sitting probably in her pajamas and, you know, at her house. So, exactly. Not, not Doing that nothing. Not that, Doing we're, nothing. not that we're bitter or anything. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much. Well, this has been Priscilla McKinney along with Ahava Liebtag from Aha Media Group. Um, and we would love for you to have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.